to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. It's okay, you know what, guys? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And um, a vision is where God is taking you. We can also describe it, especially if we add the mission as well, as what God wants you to achieve. And we can say a statement describing your desire to be in a particular period of time. And we can also say it's an organized imagination. Everyone can imagine. Not everyone can organize the imagination. The day I read where it says, uh, he that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine, I decided that my imagination can be a bit organized. Now, COL is very vision-based, very vision-based. And so it's very imperative that you have an understanding of why we are this way. Okay? When you read in Matthew 28, and you read verse 19, 18 and 19, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then in 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That shows you that God's vision goes beyond soul winning, it's discipleship. And for there to be discipleship, there must be a platform for people to be discipled. That's where church comes in. And Jesus has an idea of what he believes church is. He tells Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, I love you, you know that. And he says, he tells him to feed his sheep, to feed his lamb, and to tend his sheep. So Jesus requires that his sheep have a place where they are tended, where they are fed. And not just the sheep, but also the lamb. So in short, the younger people in the faith, the bigger people in the faith, they all require a place. And that's why some people have been hugely disappointed when they say, no, no, it's not about churches. We're not winning anyone to any church. We're winning them to the kingdom. Now, I don't know where they take them. 
I don't know why they take them. And listen, I'm telling you because I, you know that apart from church, I have other meetings, big meetings. I can tell you from experience that until we learned to start following up people and placing them in churches, we, we noticed that there are some who would easily fall away. That's one. And then number two, there are others who were okay in some areas, but then some became vagabond Christians who always wanted a conference experience. So this week they're at COL, the next week they're at another ministry, the next week they're at another ministry, the next week they're at another ministry, because they're used to hearing more than one person. And because of that, you find such unable to serve effectively. Praise God. Praise God. Preaching such messages is very interesting. Because whereas one person can be hearing, Lord, the vision here, another person can be hearing, go back. <laughs> I'm serious. It's a very dangerous message to preach. But the biggest thing I'm saying is that you have to commit somewhere. There has to be somewhere where you're counted as one of their own. Brethren, where are you counted? And how do you know you're counted there? Where are you counted? I've had several instances where I've met someone and said, Pastor, I'm your member. And now, if I have no idea who they are, it's okay because we've grown. But I check the system. No cell leader knows them. The secretariat doesn't know them. The system doesn't know them. Even the computer doesn't know them. <laughs> then maybe they should have told me, Pastor, I'm your attender. <laughs> have you noticed that in the scriptures you see a lot of accountability? The Bible says 3,000 were added to their number. How did they know there were 3,000? They counted. They counted. In Acts 6, you see there was Hellenistic Jews and the other ones were even arguing about food. How did they know these were Hellenistic and these were what? They did proper demographics. Why do you think there's a book in the Bible called the book of Numbers? Or those verses in the Bible which we rarely read. These were 3,042. Then this one begot this one who begot this one who begot this one who begot this one. You can, they literally counted the generations above for Jesus. So don't be surprised when we like to know who do we have. And when Jesus was about to depart, he was very honest with God. He gave an account. He said, all those you gave me, I kept except that one. And he said, that one, the reason I didn't keep him is he was a son of perdition. Those were Jesus' words. Hey. So now, you hear the word vision a lot mentioned. And here's a scripture that talks about vision. Post 29 verse 18. So there are some who are watching me right now. And maybe you're watching me by chance. Because I popped up on your feed. You have to commit somewhere. You can't keep every week you're switching who you're watching. You can't keep on doing that. You have to commit somewhere. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can see the, the, there's a link somewhere in the description if you want to commit with us. But you have to commit somewhere. There's somewhere where your commitment must be. 
Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Let's read it from the Amplified. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish, but happy is he who keeps the law. Let's read it from the BBE. I don't think we have it, so I'll read it. It says, where there is no vision, the people are uncontrolled. Where there is no vision, the people are uncontrolled. Let me, let's read the GW. GW. Where there is, without prophetic vision, people run wild. They run wild. Without prophetic vision, that's what happens. Usually people do what they want. And I gave an example. I said, can you imagine if we never set a time for church and we never set a program for church? That's the church that Paul had to write letters to. Paul was shocked. How is it that when we come, all of you have a song? Paul was shocked. Like each one, ah, nimbeko. Next one, nimbeko. nimbeko. Paul was shocked. He's like, how is it possible? And then also in those services, everyone wanted to give a prophecy. Everyone. How is it? <laughs> now, can you imagine if we sat down and just somehow imagined that on Sunday we would all just show up, everything would be in place, and somehow someone would just preach? Most moves of God which were like that, Notice they didn't last long. And then the moment order started to be introduced, people started calling it legalism. And you notice, it's usually one year, two years, they'll die out. Or moves where you've got five chairpersons. No, we are the five chairpersons of this. It can't work. Eventually, one will love. <laughs> Someone in the ministry will say, ah, I know you are five chairpersons, but you, you are the one. Another one would tell the other one, you are the two. And then there'll be another one, then there'll be another one. Before you know it, <laughs> there will be trouble. So without a vision, people are wild. And you know, the advantage is that you can apply this to your life, even with your own life. If you don't have a vision for, for your finances, you'll be in every committee. <laughs> 17 committees, half the people, you don't like them. I know what I'm talking about. I said I know what I'm talking about. No, don't you remember me? I used to sit three chairs behind you in 7C, grade 7C, for those two weeks of tuitions when you visited in Northwestern Province. Either that or you finish your school fees on Bola Bit. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> Some of those racist tweets you see on, on Twitter when footballers when football teams lose, where do you think the hatred is coming from? It's money. Some of those is money. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? Let's continue. Listen, if something is uncontrolled, if there is no vision, even what was meant for good can end up harming you. Like I said, you can apply this to anything. Even a car. A car can end up being the reason why someone is in debt because they had no vision for how to use it. They thought fuel just comes from the sun. <laughs> so anyone who says, I need this, okay, I'm on my way to Kawe. Anyone who says, I need it, no, no, no. From Kawe, same day, okay. <laughs> You'll be amazed. Praise God. I'm the bigger the car. Anyways, <laughs> what am I trying to say? COL is a vision-based church. We actually have a vision. And why is it important? Number one, because it is the most sure way of getting to the future. It is the most sure way of getting to the future. It's a very good... A vision gives you a trip to the future. Habakkuk 2 verse 3. For a vision is for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. A vision talks. A vision has a voice. And says, though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It will not tarry. Have you ever taken a walk in the future? I was... Um, when I was thinking of this message, I was in prayer. So I remember after prayer, I'm having breakfast. I'm talking to my wife, and I told her, you know, when I was preaching, there's something that I said. I was like, you are preaching. Then I realized, oh my goodness. For me, I was, I was mentally, I was, on, I was in Sunday. I had gone to the future. I wish... Okay, you know what? I was going to say I wish I had the words to express this, but let me say it. I think you're ready for such. There are just certain things that can't happen to a person with vision. A divine vision. Study Acts 27. Notice what happens there. God had spoken to Paul that I've got an assignment for you in Rome. That ship had a shipwreck. Paul couldn't die in the shipwreck. He couldn't. It wasn't possible. And he was told the reason why. The reason was because God had an assignment for him in Rome. It just couldn't happen because he had an assignment. Jesus, they tried. They wanted to kill Jesus from day one. It couldn't happen until he said it is. One time he just walked through the crowd. It just couldn't happen. The vision transported him to the future. I remember when we were about to have, like, because you know we'll be celebrating our anniversary, September 3rd, right? Road to 4. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. God had been speaking to me for a while about COL. And I didn't know how to handle it. And usually one of the marks of a visionary is that you easily raise your own people. And then before I knew it, I had people who were moved 
to start coming to see me every Sunday afternoon. Others wrote letters where they were and asked for release. Majority of them, a good number of people, for some reason that I was meeting, had nowhere to go. As time went by, I'll never forget one day we're having a service in the living room. How many of you were there? How many of you ever attended one of the services in the living room? Yeah. And I was preaching. And some people were seated like this side. Then others were seated by the dining. And I was preaching. And for me, I was seeing crowds. Like, I delivered some of my best ever sermons in that living room. I was seeing like one section, the next section. <laughs> and then there were days it would be packed. We were like 15. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> tell you. <laughs> you. Who remembers that? And then there was one day uh, I came and then I found no one. Like I literally found no one. I was so upset, you know, like, I got on my phone, I'm like, ah, these guys, they've ditched me. <laughs> I found no one. And then next thing, I, I didn't know they were hiding. And then they started coming out, like, with a song. I think they were singing, we, I still remember the song. We say thank you to you. We say thank you to God for you. Something like that. And they were coming out, and then they were just like, thank you for teaching us the word. Do you know what that did to me? I was just like, we need to do this next level. <laughs> and I remember afterwards they booked the side chapel. They told me we've now booked the side chapel. I thought, hey, side chapel, big place. How will we manage? Pastor will manage. And then one of the Sundays was Christmas Day. I'm like, hey, will anyone? They came at 14. I'll never forget. That day moved me. And we had never taken photos until then. Then God told me, take photos. It's your last time here. And says, the last time you'll ever be this small. And that day, I think we hit 50. <laughs> A vision. If I was to sit down and tell you some of the things that happened, that could have discouraged us, that could have blocked us, that could have stopped us. But this thing, it burns, it speaks, it preserves, it does something to you. It burns, it burns, I'm telling you, it burns. It burns. And then it also, it, it propels you to improve yourself for it. David didn't continue throwing stones all his life. Let me not say much. You think he came back with 200 foreskins of the Philistines through stones? It propels you. Suddenly, I knew that for the kind of ministry I was running, I needed a master's. I knew that. There were days that program was tough because of my schedule. There were days it was crazy. And I would think the vision, what would I go back and tell them? Guys, I didn't manage. Like, what will I tell them? <laughs> Some of you can't afford to repeat a course. We can't afford for you to waste that time. For you, it's a fight. 
For you, it's bigger, it's bigger than just school. With some people here, you know we need you employed quickly. There are certain things that we've been able to get as a ministry because some people got employed, let's be honest, which it was less when there were two. Some of you, they, your business can't afford to go down, up, down, up. You know the vision needs it. <laughs> Anyways, a vision, it's the easiest transport to the future. Number two, it preserves you. You can see that from the same scripture. Number three, a generation of vision can be one that, that blesses. It, a, a vision can be generational. It can bless generations. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, same vision. Even till today, Abraham's vision is still counting for me. Imagine this. Imagine what seed you're sowing for your family by attending church like this today. Imagine what seed somebody else is sowing. Let me, let me tell you something. There's someone who's decided to forego church and to go out drinking. It's a bad seed. That's why they need to come and repent. That's why when they repent, it's a spiritual thing. And they now need to be born of incorruptible seed. Because it's a bad one. It's a bad one. Anyways, let's continue. Abraham's vision preserved generations. Somebody say generations. Imagine this, God appears to Moses later, and what does God say? I'm the God of Abraham. This thing that we have started, imagine should the Lord tarry 100 years from now, perhaps a few of us who still feel like are still around. And then we're watching great, great, great grandchildren. And they're saying, this vision burns. <laughs> and then somebody else comes and says, ha, I was 22 when this vision started. And I'm 122. And my bones are still strong. <laughs> When I live long, start planning for that period of time. Plan what you do when you're 19. I know what I've planned for that period. Now, that's what a vision does. It preserves. Praise God. A vision gives speed. Habakkuk 2 verse 2. It says, right... My answer plainly. Or write the vision down. Make it plain on tablets. That he may run who reads it. Now, I see a relationship there because it then shows, and don't mind me, I'll just take a few more minutes. But it then shows that there must be a, a certain loyalty that the runner has towards what he has read. Praise God. 
Let me show you that there must be eternal loyalty. Look at the NLT of Habakkuk 2, verse 2. The Lord said, write my answer in large, clear letters on a tablet so that a runner can read it and tell everyone else. Now, something that I would like everyone here to understand about church is I want you to imagine the kingdom like an ocean and then there are rivers that come and spill over into the ocean. The rivers may have individual paths. In their path, they might have their own mountains to climb and their own valleys to go down under. But then when they come to the ocean, they all pour into one ocean. But you may have to respect Zambezi as Zambezi. You may have to respect, I don't know any other river. Guys, what other rivers are there? You may have to respect Kafuras. They all just went. As in, they went. You may have to respect Mississippi River. Uh, there's a river like that, right? As Mississippi River. And then also respect the ocean as the ocean. That's how church is. Let me show you. Revelation Z. Chapter number two. That book that you avoided reading when you were young because you were told it was scary. Whoever had those moments when you were young? You were afraid of revelations? Or is there anyone here who ever like woke up one morning and you couldn't see everyone and you thought it was a rapture? <laughs> and you say, saying, somebody, anybody. <laughs> and then somebody walks in and you feel foolish. <laughs> I want you to observe this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, of the church of Ephesus, write, these things says he who holds and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Give me verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Give me verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, these things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. And I, I love using the church in Pergamos as an example. Why do I love it? Because in case you didn't notice, Jesus was introducing himself differently to the different churches. And to Pegamos, he specifically calls himself the one with a sharp two-edged sword. What's that representing? Warfare. So meaning the church in Pegamos, probably if there's an area they were highly skilled when it comes to revelation, it was warfare. It was probably warfare. And you find the reason why in the next verse. I know your works and where you dwell is where Satan's throne is. So the, the spiritual activity, if you are pastoring a church in Pergamos, what's the first song you have to teach the Sunday school? Casa Tana. And not Casa Turner. No, it will be Casa I'm serious. You, you are going to have to teach them that. 
I once, you know, I was watching online and there was a pastor saying, you know, these things of warfare, it's not so necessary. You just worship. When you worship, you have to... I said in Africa, they'll worship with you. You will learn what, why James says, you say Jesus is, you, you, you claim you believe in God, that's true. Even the demons believe and tremble. They'll tremble with you. Huh? Where have you seen in the scriptures that no, they brought to Jesus many who are demon-possessed and they just worshipped? Or when that diviner in Acts 16 was speaking things, Paul got infuriated in his spirit and rebuked that foul spirit. He says, you shall cast out demons. Don't be lazy to cast them out. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, and listen, I've preached in many places. I've noticed sometimes, depending on the place you go to, you find you are just. I went to, when I went to Kenya, there were two cities I was in. One was called Kericho. And a lot of the people there were troubled by spirits. And now, they couldn't even, majority of them didn't even know Swahili. So, I couldn't impress them with my eloquence. Like one meeting I went to, there was one person who knew English. So there was nothing like, I like the way he pronounces words. So, as in, <laughs> my friend, if you didn't have power, and then I'll never forget, the next day they were giving testimonies, and this woman is testifying, and so someone was interpreting, and then she looks at me, and then she says, and she explained how for, I think, seven years or something, she was never able to sleep on her bed. She would be troubled by spirits and the pain on her back. And she looks and says, but God sent that man of God from Zambia. And for the first time, she was able to... So meaning, I wasn't going to go there and start Pegamos, this, this. No! You are just what's needed. I am forgetting my point. There's some places you don't go and say, what a beautiful name. No, you go, Paulo Nasila Anapembela. I'm telling you. You will lose your audience. From the moment that I wake up. He was in a wokebuino in Hallelujah. Now you see something as we go on. But then just a few things I want you to see about the churches. Number one, all of the churches had a name that they identified with. And guess what? Jesus honored the churches as individuals. He actually gave specific messages. I said, that one is for that church. That one is for that one. That one is for that one. And it wasn't like a wedding card where it's like the same invite. No, they are different messages. It's like how my birthday messages are so different for everyone. <laughs> At least I love to believe so. <laughs> Why didn't I get many amens? <laughs> Tamandani, thank you. Loyalty is a key. Hello. <laughs> now notice, each of them had a name. What else do we notice? Each of them had a person in charge. When it says the angel of the church, that's interpreted the messenger of the church. If he's, I think you can see that from the amplifier, right? The messenger of the church. So Jesus honored even the role of the messenger. Notice, so the angel, the messenger of the assembly. He honored even the role of the messenger. So now, if the person that day said, ah, I've been listening to him for too long, 
Today, let me try out the church in Ephesus. He would have missed on what Jesus was saying about that day. He would have missed. And he would have missed. Remember Adam saying, I'm naked. And Jesus said, God said, who told you? Sometimes I've had people come to ask me a question. Pastor, what is the 13th dimension of what? I said, I have no idea. I don't know where you got that from. I've never taught it. You can't ask me about what I've not taught. No idea. I'm, I'm, also, I, I'm like, when you find out, tell me. <laughs> then notice all the churches had a collective culture. They had a collective culture. How do we know? Let's just read this one. Uh-huh. Give me New King James. For each church, Jesus said, I know your works. He didn't say, I know my grace. He actually said, I know your works. Each of the churches, he said that. In case you think what you do for God is not important. No, it's just about what God does for you. No, he actually, Jesus was carefully studying their works. He could write an essay about each of them. He told them what they were doing well in and what they were not doing. Jesus was giving all the churches an appraisal. And notice, he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience. He even knew this church, they were good at patience. And they cannot bear those who are evil. Listen, a church can have a culture, both a bad one and a good one. Both a bad one and a good one. I can give you an example. There was a time we were not very consistent with uniforms in departments. If you didn't notice it, praise God for you. You, you come here for God. <laughs> we were not very consistent. I knew that. We started doing one or two things about it. One or two finds later. And after people depart, let go of a few amounts of money, and complained in their heart. We started seeing the improvement. I mean, the instrumentalists are in uniform. That says a lot. <laughs> that never used to. Do you know that a ministry can have a culture of fornication? It's very possible. You know that. It's very possible. And it's very. Let me tell you how it's possible. Do you know why that there are sometimes. Do, Sometimes it's of necessity that you, do, you, you talk about certain things publicly. What did Paul tell, tell Timothy one time? He says, rebuke in the presence of all so that everyone may fear. Sometimes you have to say certain things deliberately and say, in this church we don't allow ABCD. It brings a certain collective reverence such that if you're doing that, you, you should feel, it should feel strange. The day it feels normal. Because you'll come here and I'll just encourage you to just keep loving God despite your weaknesses. No, that, weak, that one can take you to hell. The Bible, I'm not, then I'm not telling you the truth. The Bible is clear. It says because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That's why we're very open and we tell you what the gospel is. I don't, repentance actually means you stop. Ah, it's, Paul didn't continue murdering churches. Or saying, okay, I'll just reduce from 50 per week to 32. <laughs> and the trouble, listen, the trouble is, 
we don't push anyone away who comes to us for help. The trouble is when somebody is doing the wrong thing and they don't think they need help and they begin to find it normal. That's where the problem is actually. Jesus never answered rudely anyone who came genuinely asking for help. Pharisees on the other hand. <laughs> he had penalties for them. Anyways, I need to be... Glory to God. So, there was a collective culture. There was a collective judgment. What am I trying to say? Do you know that... Um, this will shock you. Why are you laughing? It's a secret that you may not know. You know, like we, like we all have the right to vote, right? For example, I have the right to vote, right? Are you aware that I never helped when they were fighting for independence? Don't tell anyone. I may be going all over social media saying, this is my country, hey, Shani, my rights. But I never helped a bit, not even, a, I didn't even throw one stone. I'm benefiting from what others fought for. Do you know that when a person joins this ministry today, they automatically become part of the collective benefit of even what was fought for four years ago? And that is why they must also do their part and add to what they found, not remove. Not remove. There's a case. It's okay. Someone I'm looking for came to this ministry. I don't know if they joined or something and talked one of the people we led, into, we led to Christ into living with them. Talk someone into a relationship and then talk them into living with them. Jesus said it is better to have a milestone tied around your neck and they are thrown into the sea than for the punishment that comes to anyone who comes to lead people astray. That's what he said. Beware. Beware of wolves. Imagine someone joins today. Tomorrow they are talking to you. Don't you think the way at this ministry we, they always emphasize service. Is that really a good thing? Go find another one. Go somewhere else. You don't come and start confusing people. If you don't agree with something, go somewhere else if you have to. But you don't start confusing others. There's a punishment for that. And it comes from God. Very quickly, I need to finish. There is something now that we require from people once they know about the vision. And what we require from them, ladies and gentlemen, is loyalty. Loyalty means unwavering commitment and support. How many of you have read in Matthew 18 verse 12 about, because there's a statement we like saying here. We call it the loyal 99. How many of you have read in Matthew 18 verse 12? Now, 
I'm not taking any reverence away from it, so I want you to understand. It says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 to go to the mountains? What a sheep is doing at the mountains. <laughs> to seek the one that is strained. Now, allow me, to, allow me to mention that when I've studied biblical thoughts, my sunesis or my understanding, my collective sunesis like a collective understanding, my, my understanding is that it's actually better. If there was a choice between 1 and 99, it's better one goes. Wait. I'm not trying to ruin your favorite song. I also like it. it you, you can see the, the, the heart of the scriptures in John 11.50. Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Why do you think in the New Testament there was excommunication if they thought somebody would make everyone perish? There was a guy they excommunicated. You've not read that? He was sleeping with his friend's mother, I think. And they tried to rebuke him and he refused. They said, they excommunicated him and said they were casting him to Satan. It's interesting. In short, when he, when he was being cast out of the church, who was ready for him? And they brought him back in Second Corinthians. Because they said it's better one. So what's the heart of this one? For me, the heart of this Matthew 18 is found when you read verse 13. In verse 13, notice this. You've grown. For me, it's that teaching you that stuff. Tell your neighbor, you've grown. He said, and if you, and if you should find it, Assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that ship than over the 99 that did not go astray. The key here is this. Firstly, don't forget that he also has joy over the 99. But he's more joyful over the one that he has found. Then secondly, the 99 don't go astray. Let me say that again. When he goes after the one, he finds the 99 where he left them. The key is this. He had a hundred. He's now on 99. He goes to get back the one so that they can be a hundred again. What's my point? My point is this. We've all been the one before. I've been. The mountains God had to climb to find me. The mountains of pride my heart had. God had to climb the left ventricle, the right one, and all those things to find me. Surely, I can now decide to be among the 99. What's my point? You should not always be the one. Sometimes be the one helping us get the other guy. Even notice the woman in John 4. When you read over there in verse 25, this woman was very interesting. She's the woman who Jesus told she had five husbands. And the one she was with at that point was not even a husband. Before she could even go and break up and stop cohabiting, she already knew her assignment. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. 
Notice the response. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Like I said, before she could even go break up with the man she was cohabiting with, what does she do? At this point, the disciples came, her next verse, the woman left her water pot. She left what she was doing. Went her way to the city and said, interestingly, to the men. Don't ask me why. And she says to the men, come and see a man who told me all things. So Jesus went after her. Afterwards, she went after all the men. Praise God. No, notice Luke 8. Luke 8, you see that in verse 1, Jesus was moving from city to city and the disciples were with him. But there was something about these women. I think there's a lot we can learn about loyalty from women, in my opinion. I really think so. No, I've noticed it even from starting ministry. The women. When they decide you're their pastor, ah, you're their pastor. They, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm being honest. Listen, like I said, it's just an op- I just think there's something we men can learn. There's a reason why when Jesus was dying at the cross from his disciples, it was many the women that remained. And John. <laughs> the rest. <laughs> Some of them dipped exhale. <laughs> they dipped. That's what they And now, you see in verse 2. <laughs> oh my goodness, I just realized that will be on the podcast. So, you see in verse 2. That certain women who had been healed of evil infirmities. Had, another one had seven demons cast out of them. They didn't follow Jesus so that they can be having demons cast out of them every week. No. If you read, that even the ones who were providing for Jesus. They became the reason why Jesus was succeeding in ministry. They became the reason why Jesus could meet other people. So, we have to move from the vision chasing us to us now propagating the vision to chase others. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue on Wednesday. You must be grateful to God because I tell you, if you can take this stuff I'm telling you, you won't struggle on judgment day when you stand before God. You won't. Is there anyone, very quickly, because I have to end... Is there anyone who's not born again? Anyone who's not saved? Somebody who's saying, I want to give my life to Christ. And you can tell, because if your life is not right with God, you know. So if you want to make your life right with God, you have an opportunity. I don't want you to be shy about it. We'll deal with the ones online. Say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord. From this day I'm born again. Fill in the form if you just say that prayer. Everybody else stand and say after me. Say in the name of Jesus. The vision burns in me. Say in the name of Jesus. It burns in me. It grows in me. Say in the name of Jesus. I understand the and I'm fulfilling purpose. Say, I'm fulfilling purpose. Say, in the name of Jesus, my mind perceives and my heart knows God's plans for me with regards to church.
I find my place. I find my purpose within it. And I grow in it in Jesus' name. Now I bless you all. May this be a week where purpose is revealed. May God come through for you in everything that you've been believing for. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's have the offering baskets. been to. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay Blessed.